And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons, and we are going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics today, the ongoing conversation about how the Colorado Rockies try to build considering their unique circumstances. Published an article several days ago talking about the strange numbers between the balance and their hitting and their pitching, and Patrick, we're, we're going to get even deeper into it. We're going to really dive into this stuff. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. First, though, speaking of a whole lot of fun, a couple of weird random news notes up top. We'll start with the Rockies one, uh, which I, I just wanted to address here because as Twitter is wont to do on occasion, there is a bit of a kerfuffle over a, a Dick Monfort quote in a letter that went out to season ticket holders today um, where he essentially admitted to something that you and I have talked about a lot. And it's why we're not going to spend too much time on it here at the front, which is just he, he said flatly, it's going to be an unusual off season for everybody. Everybody in baseball took a, a big financial hit. And so I do think that, you know, of course, 90% of the responses from Rockies fans uh, were so it's going to be like normal. They're not going to spend any money and they're not going to do anything. And this is their built-in excuse for doing it. I do think that Monfort's comments were much more directed just at league wide, like get ready to see some weird stuff, get ready to see some free agent players who you think should be making $10 million get paid only six and guys who would otherwise get a three-year deal have to settle for one. Uh, And that's going to be true across the game and the question will remain either way who are the teams who can navigate this the best yeah i think it's i interpreted his his statement to be a little of that of obviously he's addressing all of nlb and it's wasn't entirely clear he, he you know he really started off the the one sentence in the letters to uh, season ticket holders had to do with the entire industry of baseball losing three billion dollars and teams having lost an average of a hundred million dollars. Like, think about that for a second. We're not saying, right. you know, this is you know an industry that hey, we had a couple down years and overall it was you know we lost a hundred million dollars, but it's fine because we know how you know the market moves and operates and blah blah. Like, no, one year out of nowhere, 
you lost massive amounts of, of money, the likes yeah. that have, has just never been seen in, in professional sports. So, right. you know, yes, he was talking about all of baseball, but I think you address it in that way to acknowledge the fact that just so you know, this will impact the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. He's talking about all of baseball, but it is very clearly going to impact the Colorado Rockies. But as you said, it's going to impact all teams in a lot of right. different ways. How would it, how would it not? Some more than others. You know, there's going to be some teams that maybe load up on players. You know, again, it's it's the quality versus quantity in that there could be one team that goes out and you say, oh, my God, they, got, they signed six players. Well, there's a good chance that five of those six guys were on, you know, relatively reduced deals that were like bargains that would have been bargains for any team. But again, how much money are you going to spend? So I think the Rockies are going to get a couple of share uh, of bargains. You know, they, they, they did it last off season for better or worse. Uh, when they, when they got a nice little gem in, in Tyler Kinley, Elias Diaz was fantastic. Daniel Bard was fantastic. So, you know, there's going to be other teams that are going to do bargain shopping. The Rockies are going to be okay doing it. And ultimately, Every team is going to be very frugal this offseason. Yeah, there, there's a silver lining to it, but then there's also a, a counter to the silver lining. So as, as I'm doing this, know that I'm, I'm going to come around and smack my own argument again at the end here. But the, the basically, and I was just debating with some of our staff uh, in, in our private chat about some of this as well, because other than last year, where I really don't think they they just didn't have the cash on hand because they had already spent it in, in previous seasons, it is it is a misnomer. I know it feels like it's been forever since the Rockies have spent a bunch of money, but that's because they spent it poorly, because they didn't get anything for it. You forget that they actually did go out and spend big money, uh, much bigger money than you know people thought they were going to, to to get guys like Wade Davis and Jake McGee and Brian Shaw, Andy and Desmond. But that is, you know, those are the lists. That's the list of names. And that's the type of player I think they would probably be inclined in a normal non-COVID offseason, given all the money that just came off their books, where they're at now, the way they think, the way they think they can try to still build around this core, they would try to go out there and throw a bunch of money at some relievers. And that arguably... I think we've even demonstrated through quite a bit of numbers this offseason, an article in podcast form, not the best strategy for the Rockies. Ian Desmond uh, makes an argument. Now, it could, that could be a one-off. That could just be they got the wrong guy. Maybe they should go sign a big bat. But there's a list of names on the other side, certainly in terms of pitching. You ran through a few of them there. Earlier back, Mike Dunn, Greg Holland. Um guys that weren't that, that were bargain shopping. So the best argument may be here that this situation saves the Rockies from their worst inclinations to spend money poorly. It forces them to bargain shop where they've actually been more successful. All right. The counter argument to that, where I slapped that whole thing down a little bit, as you just pointed out, the market is flooded with people who are bargain shopping. If some teams that are used to spending big money, like I still think there, there will be teams outside of it. So, you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers, the, they'll spend what they need to spend. The, their payrolls will be what they need to be. But, you know, teams like the Cubs, we know Cleveland is shedding payroll. These other teams that have some money, but they're not going to go out and spend it. They're going to be bargain chopping too. So that, that kind of floods the market 
of teams that are trying to succeed through your strategy. And so now those guys who were, you know, maybe before they would have been a $6 million reliever and you can get them for $3 million. And that would have been great for the Rockies, but now maybe there's three teams, four teams calling that guy. And then you go right back to being the Rockies. You got to pay them more and in this economy. So it's going to be a tight line to walk, but there, there is an avenue. There's Anyone who follows politics has been hearing this phrase a lot recently. There is a path to success for the Colorado Rockies through this unique free agency situation. They just have to navigate it wisely. And I know that faith is at an all-time low that they will do so. Yeah, I think they will actually be able to navigate this fairly well. Again, better than other teams? Maybe, maybe not. The, the real question is that, you know, I thought of while you're you're talking there is if they get enough of these guys that again they they get on a nice little one year two year deals you know there's relatively you know not too many other offers out there for them but even if they were to get the right collection of free agents to bring in keep in mind they don't really have that much room uh, in their their 26 man roster to bring in starters I think they get a lot more in the bullpen again you know and. I'm not going to say if if uh, if all things go well or go right, you lose Jairo Diaz or Carlos Estevez. I don't think you want to see that. But you know, again, if you if you wipe away all these guys that you have questions about, even still, that's really only going to bring in maybe six new players tops, and that's that's actually a lot. I would I that's, would yeah. say that's a that's a drastic you know overturn of of the roster again, not the stars per se. But that's a lot of guys, and you could you could see something like six. But is that actually going to be enough to move the needle? Uh, to use a phrase that I I like to wear out. But is that enough to move the needle and have them contend with teams like the Padres or Dodgers? Because you know, frankly, the the one thing that Colorado has is you know some of those the high end players, and and sometimes they vary from year to year. We get Charlie Blackman as a superstar at one point. David Dahl, and then next thing you know, they're they're getting hurt, they're banged up. John uh, John Gray's going to the minors. Kyle Freeland's going to the minors. So at any given point, they've got five or six top notch ball players. Um, that being said, getting some good bargains and getting some guys that are slightly above average will will that be enough to push them to the point where they are contending for an NL West pennant? Because the Padres and Dodgers, they got superstars everywhere. Yeah, well, probably not that, but put a pin in that thought because we'll get back to it because that that's you know really where we get to dive into the numbers about how the Colorado Rockies can build successfully in ways that don't necessarily require them to have a whole bunch of superstars. And so uh, we'll look at that in just a minute, Patrick. I did want to get your thoughts, uh, however briefly, and maybe maybe I should crack open a Breck brew for this one. Uh, just for this conversation, uh, should I think I've, I think I ran out of the I, I can't even uh, imagine that uh, I had a couple of 15 can samplers out of it right now. So I actually can't crack open a breakfast. Oh. But I'm going to head over to King Supers before too long. Get another one. Next chance I get, I'll swing by the farmhouse. Just going to do that pickup right now from noon to 8 p.m. Call 303-803-1380. Use code DNVR. You save five bucks off both the food and the drink. Delicious food. A delicious drink. 
and you can ask everyone around you, Tony LaRussa? Oh, Tony La Russa. Two words. I made it three. But we, we doing this? I don't. Uh, that's baffling. That's 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 an atrocious. <laughs> that's an awful. Move. No, go back to the first word. I've used atrocious. awful a bunch of times. You 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 land. I've been looking for the right word. The atrocious. first one you used. That's atrocious. That's so. It's so bad. I mean, the guy's been away from the game for nine years. Sure, went out on top in the World Series in 2011 with the St. Louis Cardinals. Hall of Fame manager, no doubt about it. Um, you know, since then, you know, he worked with uh, Boston. I think I saw him in, in the Red Sox dugout last year when they came to town. He was chilling. Um, was also, uh, for a period of time, the general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks and orchestrated one of the worst trades of all time where he got back Shelby Miller, who unfortunately because of, of injury, you know, he hasn't been able to do much, but gave away, um, you know, a, a top prospect that turned out to be, be nothing in, in Aaron Blair, but uh, Ender Inciarte, who's been a fantastic contributing player, uh, signed to, you know, he, he signed an extension, so he was very affordable. Oh, and turned around and immediately traded their, their first overall pick in 2015 in Dansby Swanson. So you traded a top pick to get back a guy that you liked when he was young and in the Cardinal system. And again, one team doesn't make or break a franchise, but it certainly does, you know, cut the, the legs out from underneath you in many ways when you're on the wrong end of a deal like that, where you're giving up a lot of young talent and you're not getting back a lot. So that was an embarrassment that the Diamondbacks are still trying to dig themselves out of. And now you've got this young, exciting you know, Latin team, you know, a lot of Cuban ball players, and they got rid of a guy in, in Rick Renteria who I thought was doing a, a really solid job there in Chicago yep. with the White Sox, was doing a fantastic job with the Chicago Cubs before yep. he was given the boot in favor of Joe Madden. Okay, I get it. But, um, you know. This ain't that. This this ain't that. Joe Madden was, was, was a guy very much in touch, you know, had – uh, had, had just finished up his his time in, in Tampa Bay. Did an amazing job with the the Devil Rays and Rays uh, at that time. And bring back the Devil hashtag. Bring back no way that might not. And this this is not that. Yeah, this is not that. This is no. so questionable. It's it's an owner trying to you know I think do right and and he has not managed the the White Sox in what is it thirty four years I think. Yeah. Something like thirty four years. So that has so many people scratching their heads. The fan base is rightfully so. It's almost a step back. You've got this young, exciting core. And even think about the Padres, how exciting the they are. You know? boringest guy you can think of. Yeah. I mean, sure, most I would I would imagine most Padres fans could, could not identify Jace Tingler or even come up with his name. Who's the manager of your Padres? Right. I don't know. And if I said Jace Tingler, they would, they would go, obviously, no, not you whatever those up. words are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you would certainly say, well, I'd rather go with this guy that I've never heard of with a made up name like Jace Tingler than a guy who's 74 years old to manage my young, exciting Latin team uh, of, of, of cultured guys from, from all over the world. Right. And he has a history of like weird, you know, and we've done a lot of it on this podcast, so we're not going to get into it too much, but there, you know, there's a whole history, Google, Tony LaRussa, Adam Jones, like there's a, 
there's a whole problematic capital P history there too with, uh, you know, Adam Jones basically referring to him as part of the problem with the old white guard of baseball that oftentimes can be very hostile to young players of color. So to put him in that situation, just like, what are you, what is going on? And for a team that looked to have so much promise and positive momentum and so much that was going their way and our favorite new nickname in baseball that I, I, I think that you and I are the only ones who call him Lou Bob, but Lou Bob coming up and, and doing big things. And it's like, I'm feeling for Lou Bob right now. Patrick, I'm feeling bad for Lou Bob and that whole yeah, situation. That's rough. It's rough. And, you know, we, it, it, I know I've, I've brought it up on the podcast before this idea that when you bring back in, you know, somewhat legendary, you know, managers in particular to an organization, it makes it real hard to get rid of those guys. It's right. one of the reasons Mattingly, you know, never ascended beyond bench coach for the Yankees. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons why you'd be hard pressed to get Todd Helton or Larry Walker as the manager of the team, because you've got this legend and you're damned if you do damned, if you don't, you know, right. those, those Rockies fans, anyone listening to this podcast is going to be unbiased and, and would be able to say, look, I love Larry Walker, but he did not do a great job with this Rockies team. He should be let go. It's a bummer. You can do that. But those people that are Rockies fans kind of on the periphery and they're Colorado fans, they flip open the newspaper or they go ahead and they log into the DNVR.com or, or the app and they go, oh, my God, Walker was fired as, as manager of the Rockies. What are they doing? Now I'm never going to another game again. Right. And you go, totally. oh, right. you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're – and even telling them stuff during the time, you know, while they're there. Like how old is their GM? Now, who are their analytics guys? Is the, are the analytics guys going to be sitting in a room telling Tony Larusa how to manage his ball club? Like, that's going to be so. I fast. Imagine they'll sit him down and say, "Tony, we're a little more analytics driven uh, in today's day and age. Now, if you take a player's hits and you divide it by his at bats." You can find out their batting average. Tony's like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me write this down. Hold on. And he's got his pencil. He's dabbing it against his tongue. Let me write that. No, I'll, I'll say this. I think Tony Larusa could um, is going to do a better job with the analytics as far as taking some of that information than you would think a seventy-four-year-old guy. Because, because don't forget, this is a, a a manager that went and took a guy like Dennis Eckersley and put him in the ninth inning as the closer of the A's in the late 80s. This is a guy with the Cardinals. He took the pitcher and said, I'm going to bat you eight. This is a guy who yeah. said, you know, your best hitter in your lineup shouldn't be batting third. He should be batting second. Right. And you saw that even when, when Larry Walker went over to the Cardinals. You go, wait, 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 wait. This guy who's quick but a little lumbering at times, you want him batting second? You're like, well, yeah, because now I got, you know, he's going to get 15 more at-bats every single season and it's just going to immediately you know push up against that starting pitcher that much quicker so you know i think he's willing to to think outside the box and accept some of these things oh, more yeah, than yeah. Like him credit for no 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 my my uh, inclination is not because he's always been forward thinking especially you know for for his time or whatever my thing is the idea of somebody telling him what to do yeah uh, somebody several years younger than him 20 years younger than him 20 uh, uh, I, I mean i'm talking about the gm like and then <laughs> yeah. their analytics teams you're talking about even the, people 
I don't the GM's know. not even right. 54. He's well, right. actually, Rick Hahn is about 54, but okay, okay, right. So half exactly. his age, you're right. People half his age. That's the thing. Wow. It's like uh, right. if if he comes up with a great analytic idea, a great forward-thinking thing that he thinks is gonna, you know, he'll he'll do that for sure. I just wonder about like what all the people who've been doing the work so far, like what, like, so I don't think, yeah, I don't think ideologically he's opposed like to the analytics or whatever. I just, I wonder about the actual nature of the conversation. He's going to say, kid, when were you born? All right. Yeah. So when right. you were born, I had this exact same job. I was manager right. of the White Sox in the mid eighties. Right. right. Uh, we wore shorts right. uh, with high <laughs> socks. All this stuff. Carlton Fisk was one of my best players. Yeah, it's 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 wild. That is uh, that that's fun. I, I'm really glad that that's one of the first big moves uh, this off season. You know, because it's really the a lot of the news, and and this is it, it, what we we started the podcast talking about is is you know there being a lot of affordable players available out there, and all these players getting their options declined. We, we, we went through Daniel Murphy getting his option declined and, and rightfully so, but guys like an, an all-star like Brad hand getting a $10 million option. And you yeah. say, wait a minute, this is one of the most dominant closers led, led the uh, MLB in, in saves in 2020 shortened season, but that's fine. All the other closers were dealing with 60 games. He yeah. saved 16 to, to tie for uh, the lead uh, Darren O'Day, three and a half million dollar contract. Uh, squashed out by Atlanta. Roberto Osuna, who we know has off the field issues, um, but again, an, a, another guy there that uh, relatively affordable. Adam Morgan, a nice little lefty. Sergio Romo is put back out on the market. Um, starting pitcher Corey Kluber put back out there. Colton Wong and uh, and a guy I like by the name of Jose Peraza uh, was released yeah. uh, by by Boston Red Sox. So there's going to be more of those guys coming. Yeah. And guys that are going to be non tendered. That are making two million dollars, and and a lot of them, I think, will go back to their their team because I think they just recognize this is just kind of the way of the world. And in fact, to leave their team might even say more. Like Tony Walters is a guy I've been hinting at could be non-tendered, and you know he could say, you know what, I am going to leave and see if I can get something somewhere else. Well, if you do that, you might not get anything anywhere else. You know, right. you, you've got a spot in Colorado. It's just not your spot at you know two and a quarter million whatever it is it's going to be a non-roster spot and if you make the club you know we'll give you a mail with incentives etc so you know you might not see too many guys flipping in that way but um i'm i'm really glad that tony larusa is back in uh in a clubhouse near you that's fun sure for us <laughs> not for white Sox fans not for white Sox fans totally right no it's people who just get to to watch from the sidelines and and, and chew the popcorn and enjoy the scenery and maybe place a few bets on how things are gonna go out there i think that's one of the things i may have to get out there and do especially because i've got that DraftKings sportsbook app and you should do the same whether you're gonna bet on already who's going to win the world series next year you're going to stick to football because it's a sport that's going on right now you may have a little bit of a feel about how that's going to go uh, you're into the ufc maybe getting into that rugby situation and if you want to be all set up with all this first of all check out the dnvr rugby podcast colton strigler if you're going to bet on rugby you gotta you gotta listen to that guy he'll set you straight you'll uh, you'll know everything you need to know you also got to check out our DNVR Bets program for all this other stuff. They'll help you out with all the little 
bits and pieces you need to know. There's really not that many. I, that was one of the you know things I was worried about first getting into this. I was like, I don't know. I always hear all this terminology about the over-unders and plus minus, and I don't know what all this means. And, and it sounds really hard. It's, it's actually not. And those guys can explain it to you. We've got explainer videos out there on the YouTube. Um, but just even if you just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, it's super intuitive, really easy to figure out what all this stuff means right away and get going with some real easy, low level, like $5 bet, $10 bet here or there. Makes it a lot of fun, makes it so that you've got a little bit of skin in the game. And in fact, there is even a promo going on right now where you can drop a single dollar. I mean, that's what a way to get in. What a way to get your feet wet, figure out how it works. And all you got to do is pick a winner between Ohio State and what was it? Penn, Penn State and Ohio State. And super producer Kale highly recommends you put your dollar on Ohio State. If you do that and they win, you get a hundred bucks. That's just a great deal, man. They are helping you out there. And they've got promos like that all the time. Maybe not quite that good, but promos like it going on all the time. Sometimes they literally just throw free money at you to bet on whatever you want. So check them out. Again, use that promo code DNVR when you sign up to get that promo where you bet a dollar to win 100 by betting on Ohio State over Penn State. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to 500 bucks. Deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And while we do have KBO games going on tonight or tomorrow morning, depending how you want to look at it. And Let's yes, and yes we, we, we should probably do a, a KBO, you know, postseason uh preview uh we here on the show or at least me i I can't remember who are you pulling for drew who did you ultimately jump on the dinos bandwagon i was yeah 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 i i ended up going dinos for the mascot you did wise choice because we are the champions Uh, we're going to finish with the best record the dinos have locked up that number one seed which is fantastic and the cool thing about the kbo is they have i think four rounds of playoffs but the team with the best record doesn't play until the final so basically what happens is if you have the best record you play in the world series like you're already locked in and 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 if you're like the fifth place team you got to knock off the fourth the third and the second just to get to that World Series. That's what I'm talking about. That's, That's cool. what we need. I like that system. Yeah. So the Dinos are are looking really solid. But I'm sorry. I'm not going to talk about KBO here for my DraftKings Sportsbook so Pick of the Week. I'm going to talk about the Halloween Candy Bowl. Yes, that's right. Some of the best competitive eaters in the world are gathering on Saturday at 530 Mountain Standard Time. Drew, roll your eyes back into your head. Happening right now. (laughs) Six pounds of Halloween candy is up for grabs. Uh, I'm a big Matt Stoney fan, personally. I I do enjoy some of his videos. He does some crazy stuff, but I do have to go with the chalk. And and it might kill me, especially because if you're looking to win some big bucks, I enjoy me some Matt Stoney. Dude's got a strong jaw to get through all that nougat and nuts He's plus 1,400, but again, maybe I'm keeping it simple. Maybe I I just want to 
feel like it's the 4th of July again all over and enjoy everybody's boy, Joey Chestnut. So my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is Joey Chestnut at minus 110 for Halloween Candy Bowl. Six pounds of candy, folks. Love it. Yes. There's a twofer on your DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week because, you know, I'm going with the other. I'm going with the long shot. I'm going with Stoney. Oh, I love Matt Stoney. I, I do kind of hope he wins, though. I'm a yeah. big Stoney fan. He he's he looks exactly the same. I, I don't know. He's maybe in his late 30s. He still looks like he's 20 years old, and he does some fun video. That, that's something I actually do in my free time on YouTube. Every once in a while, I'll go into a spiral and watch competitive eating contests. Anybody out there knows Randy Santel from uh, Atlas, and he, I don't know. They're, it's good stuff. I once went to like one of those events where I knew the guy was going to be there. And I'm like, Oh, let me go by and look in the window. And here they are eating this, like, you know, five pound pizza all by himself. I don't know. I, I'm into that stuff. That's, I'm interested in that. No, I wish nothing. I could say that was at all surprising. <laughs> I look like a competitive eating fan. That's right. That's right. Uh, and somehow we segue from that into our final topic of the day. Uh, as uh, I was talking about at the beginning, published an article several days ago uh, yeah. with the headline, again, I'm not going to get it word for word, but essentially the Colorado Rockies have to prioritize pitching over hitting. And Patrick, I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed in the lack of debate and pushback that I got on this thing. The responses were basically either, well, duh. Or <laughs> uh, I, I did get a handful of people that suggested maybe I look at different numbers, which could be a worthy endeavor. Uh, however, one of the things that I tried to make clear in that piece, and one of the things that I, I think we need to make clear here, is that the point of using these numbers is to provide us with a framework, with a blueprint. It's not to use them as the gospel truth for the true talent of the players. I've spoken for years about why, for example, I don't think Rymal Tapia's 96 OPS plus is necessarily indicative of who he truly is as a hitter. I do, however, think that Rymal Tapia's 96 OPS plus, if he puts up relatively the same hitting line next year, will be the same. In fact, it just it will be. That's how they work. The numbers are consistent, right? And so the goal that we, and, and really Patrick and I had a bunch of long conversations at the beginning of, you know, the Rockies offseason, once the Rockies were eliminated, about diving deeper into this topic through specifically the lens of Colorado Rockies history. Sometimes we're going to talk about, can they be more like the Rays? Can they be more like the Cubs? Can they be more like the A's? But sometimes we got to look at their own history and see what's gotten them to the postseason and what hasn't or what's kept them from the postseason. And if you use the metrics OPS plus and ERA plus, and you can use other metrics to try to answer this question, then you might come to different conclusions. So that has to be clear up front. ERA plus and OPS plus are just kind of the industry standard. You can also use WRC plus instead of OPS plus. You prefer fan graphs. In this particular instance, it lines you up with the same results, actually. Um, 
it's just easier to honestly it's just slightly easier to organize on baseball reference <laughs> just just for the exercise for us putting together this huge set of statistics which we were able to look at the history of the Colorado Rockies from 93 through 2020 and look at every team's average ERA plus average OPS plus how many hitters did they have who were above the league average how many pitchers did they have who were above above the league average and just look for patterns. And the great thing about this exercise was we didn't know going in, there was no way to know going in what was going to emerge. You could suspect some things just based on how we've looked at these numbers before. But until we went to each year and went, okay, what was the average ERA plus? What was the average OPS plus? Okay, how many guys here? Until we went through each year, there was no way to know. And so you could also do this for every team in baseball, and that could also lead to the same results. Actually, pitching is just far more important for everybody. Could be the case. To do that would take a very long time. <laughs> we just did the Rockies because that's the team we cover. And, Patrick, there were a lot of really interesting things emerged that emerged. But I, I think the strongest one to me, which is why the headline of the piece ended up being, is that there's just a much stronger correlation and it's important we use that word at the beginning because we're trying to determine causation. But at the very least, using these statistics, there is a very clear correlation between the Rockies pitching being their identity and them achieving a modicum of success, making the postseason or being above 500 versus the times where they're hitting has been, at least for them, good. And that has not led to that same type of success. Um, it's been really fascinating to look through all of that. Yeah, no, it was interesting to see the disparity between the pitching and offense. You would think, okay, yeah, you need great pitching, especially in, in Colorado. You need it anywhere, obviously, or even competent pitching, right? And you have to look and say, all right, well, the, the Rockies have always ha had a, a good hitting team. Well, again, when you, you know, get docked points for, for playing at Coors Field or when you have to play at sea level after seeing a, a, a breaking ball, you know, only move two and a half inches and then at sea levels at four, we, we know it's, it's a lot harder to be a successful Rockies offensive player by the numbers, by analytics terms. Um, but it was just interesting to see the, the disparity where, you know, the, the best teams that the Rockies have had is when their pitching was really good and their hitting was not at all. Now it wasn't awful, but it just was a, was a major gap and other seasons where you say, well, actually the hitting was better by a, by a good amount, the pitching not as good by a little amount. That's just a lost season. You would think balance is the way to go like with anything like balanced diet hey that's the way to go rather than you know doing something crazy or something on the extremes but it's actually been the case that when you've had those extremes the rockies have been most successful yeah that was as i wrote in the piece legitimately a staggering discovery i expected because I've been railing about it for years, for the numbers to slightly underrate the Rockies' offense. There's an interesting question about whether or not it conversely overrates Rockies' pitching because they, too, deal with a hangover effect that we do not talk about 
nearly often enough and we do not understand. And so it may be the case. I actually think in small, what I'm very confident saying, um, we're getting into the weeds here, but that was, actually that's the point of this conversation. Um, I'm very confident in saying, and maybe I'll write about this as well, in a small sample size, especially with relievers, ERA plus will overrate Iraqi. It overrated Adam Adovino. It overrated Scott Oberg. Um, it overrated Chris Russin when he was putting up like a 190 and stuff. Now he was very good, but he was getting a boost, especially in a smaller sample size. Uh, I think for starters, because they pitch so many innings and they'll have to pitch so many innings out on the road and they deal with the wear and tear a lot more differently, uh, it, it gets muddier. There's a weird thing, too, where like the most successful Rocky starters all have better ERAs at home, uh, which is just, <laughs> again, we'll have to get into that another time. But yeah, Patrick, when we got to that part that you were just discussing, and, and let me see if I can even share my screen here really quick. Um, yeah, here, here's the, for those of you that are joining us on the live, the graphic that we were talking about. The Rockies' most balanced teams, the times where their offense and their pitching have been relatively close together and sometimes even relatively decent, like in 1997, that's the best they've been able to do is come up with those 83 wins in none of those. So we, we took out the 11 most balanced seasons in Rockies history. They've never made the mo the postseason, And only twice were they over 500. Right. And on the flip side, their most imbalanced seasons, and I can go ahead and, and throw that up on the screen as well. You see the total opposite. And, and this, we need to understand more deeply. You see all five postseason teams in the top 11 most imbalanced Rockies and three of the top five. And 2010 makes four of the top five, another year where they, they should have finished uh, in the postseason. Five of the top five most imbalanced seasons in Rockies history, they finished over 500. Seven out of those 11, seven out of those top 11. And the reason we did 11 was because there was a tie there for 10th. So seven out of the 11 seasons where one side was good, other side was not at all. That was where they had the most success. It's wild. It, it, it really does blow my mind. Now, there, there are a couple of different conclusions to reach here. One is... These numbers are more off than we think, which may be the case and may be worth further study. But as I wrote in the piece, then that needs to be kept in mind anytime somebody uses a 60-game sample size of Ryan Maltapia's OPS Plus to tell you the true quality of the Colorado Rockies offense. If it's underselling them, then they don't, they're not a team of just three guys. They're at the very least a team of four guys. But that's, you know, again, so all of those, if this data point about the Rockies being imbalanced needs to be thrown out because there's something wonky going on with the statistics, then that needs to be kept a part of the conversation everywhere else. I think more importantly than trying to know for sure, like I said, kind of at the beginning of this, what that actually means, you know, are they really that imbalanced? Are some of those Rockies teams, like in 1995, where they only put up a 94 OPS plus, were they probably a little bit better than that? 
Maybe hard to know. Middle of the steroid era, everyone was scoring a bunch of runs. It's it's a messy time. It's why we have these stats to try to account for as much of this as we possibly can. And so if we use them as a roadmap, we have to go where they take us. And where do they take us? Well, to a place where the Rockies absolutely can't afford to have a mediocre to maybe even bad offense. One thing that these numbers show is you drop below that 90 OPS plus as a team that they put up in 17 and 18. You put up an 87 OPS plus as a team like they did in 2000. You're dead. It doesn't matter how good your pitching is, and their pitching was fantastic in all of those years. But so there is a, there is a level at which the Rockies' offense can be bad enough to to torpedo their season. So the the wrong lesson to take from this is don't care at all about hitting. No, no, no. You have to care enough to get you at least to that 90. And every bit you get over 90 is help for your pitching. So it's not like you just call it good. But at the very least, if you're looking at your squad, you got to go, if we feel like we can get a 94 OPS plus out of these guys, well, we've got to get at least a 108 ERA plus. And that's what the numbers show you. You do that and the Rockies win 87 games or more which gets you typically into the dance. And that's a formula that I think this team can reach. I think it's achievable. One of the reasons why I, I get frustrated with a lot of these other conversations about rebuild it and tear it down or be like the A's or be like the Rays. Uh, to me, a lot of it's even just like pie in the sky, kind of like that'd be neat. Uh, I think this is an achievable goal to build your team in this way with these numbers in mind and then to improve upon them so that you're no longer shooting for the bottom line threshold of let's at least get ourselves 87 to 90 wins. And then you can start building them up to, okay, how do we improve to get that to, into the 95 win territory? But if this, this at the very least gives you a baseline. Yeah. It, it's interesting to, to use, these statistics to try to evaluate and figure it out because the next step beyond that is okay how do you target players that would not only have a good ops plus but would have a good ops plus at course field right because not just anybody can do that so you know you you brought up you know oakland and, and tampa and this idea of of moneyball and, and trying to figure out ways a, around things and, and be creative you know it's it's maybe all right. Who's a who are some players that have a good OPS plus at Coors Field, but maybe you know overall aren't that that great? What do they have? Do they is there something that they have in common? And, and again, this is a conversation because when the words fly out of my mouth, I'm going. This makes this sounds almost silly. Like okay, who's just not really good, but they've actually happened to have been good at Coors Field. Maybe that is something. Maybe there is some kind of secret in that sauce that's going to then, you know, help uh, a player transition from that course field success to somewhat of success on the road. It also makes me, you know, look at the again in, in the book Moneyball as well as the movie. You know, Billy Bean and, and Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean talks about you know how many runs they needed to get to. This idea that you know for a right. Pythagorean theorem. When you use that, it's you you take how many runs you score, how many runs you've given up, and then you can expect, you know, your win-loss record based off of that. If you've given up the exact same amount, you're gonna be at, at five hundred. You have to score more uh in order to to win ball games, you know, That's right. flash. That's and it's harder to do. 
right. and it's harder to do because you, you said it just the other day. Like you have a you have a, a fourteen to four game, uh, and again it goes both ways. But the Rockies have a have more fourteen and four games at home, and they win more six to five games. Well, that's going to skew their runs scored and runs against. So it's almost like what do the Rockies need to do to get that OPS plus stat up? Right. Billy Bean right. talks about, Hey, I got to score this many runs. Cause he knew what the pitching staff was going to do with Mulder Hudson and Zito and a few other guys that don't get a, as much credit, but he knew what was going to happen there. What happens on the offensive side? Who can we get? Are we adding runs or are we taking away runs over the course of the season? And, and looking at it from just such a simple perspective of that, you're not even talking about OPS plus, you're not even talking about driving in runs or on base percentage. It's this idea that if you do all of these things, you know, in concert with one another, it, it ends in, it results it, in those it runs. results and wins. It results in runs and wins. And and wins that, yeah. And that's exactly the process that we're using here. Somebody who, who did uh, create a, a great good faith argument with me for a good 20 or 30 minutes on Twitter ended up asking me the question. Sorry, I don't, I don't have the handle right in front of me. Um, but uh, noting uh, that their, their biggest problem with this, of course, is, you know, well, these numbers also just show if you take them at face value, this is true. They just show that the Rockies offense has always been bad and at best has been barely above average. Right? We've talked before about how they're 102 in, in 2014 is their team best mark and, and they only won 66 games that year. So his question was, you know, because several times the Rockies have put up their, their uh, franchise mark, which they've hit several times in ERA plus is one twelve, Right. And so this person's question, and this is a, a great question is what if the Rockies put up an OPS plus of one Oh eight or one twelve? Now that'd be significantly better. I mean, by leaps and bounds better than any offense they've ever had before. And so I'm, I wonder what that offense looks like. I'm disinclined to believe that with their budget and certainly with their current reputation, maybe if they built enough success over a long enough time and enough, you know, just chutzpah in the <laughs> world of, of baseball, they, they use that correctly. Um, you know, they could build a one through eight lineup of dudes who all rake and want to be at Coors Field and put up a, a team OPS plus of 108. But you know, that seems – to me, again, it seems like you're asking uh, them to, to do something they've never been able to do before. And I do wonder to what extent the hangover stuff, the fact that every road team in history has been terrible on the road, is just going to prevent them from ever being able to do that, no matter how talented their offense is. Is there a ceiling that their team OPS plus is just never going to go – over. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but both of those conversations are worth exploring. Yeah, no, I, I would actually guess that there probably would be some kind of ceiling for, for numerous reasons. One, one being, again, if, you know, I, I think offense builds on a, on a good, good defense and good pitching and, and vice versa. And, you know, if, if you're scoring enough runs, I think at a certain point, you just you're, you're you're good to go, especially if you get good pitching. You're not going to be looking to say make it fourteen to five. Now, even if you're not trying, you can still go out and you know and hit a grand slam with a six run lead. Look at the San Diego Padres; like they 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 
they couldn't force themselves to not score runs. Right. And again, that's that's who we're we're talking about. You know, one of the best offenses in baseball in 2020. Right. Um, but even still, that wasn't a nightly basis thing. That wasn't something that consistently happened. The, the Padres had a fantastic lineup for this year, but is it, are we talking like an all time? You know, in in their franchise history, certainly not. Right. Um, especially when you consider what that that um, 98 uh, Padres team was was bringing to the table with 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 Tony Gwynn and Greg Vaughn, Ken Caminiti, and, and uh, numerous other guys. So I, I think you would, I think you would eventually, you know, hit a ceiling where you just wouldn't get as much out as as you would have hoped. It's it's the, the result of the the sum of your parts, you know, not being worth the that of, of each individual part. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. You're not going to fool me twice. You know right, I mean? right. Exactly right. Exactly right. No, and I actually <laughs> included a, a line in the beginning of the article that I said, look, man, if it was just as easy as make your offense awesome, make your starting pitching awesome, make your bullpen awesome, then every team in baseball would just do that. You know that they've got limited resources, limited ability. They can't just go out and get whatever they want. They've got to prioritize. And so while it may be worth asking the question, what would happen? Could a team that put up a 108 or even a 105 OPS plus as a team, could that team hit their way to overcome mediocre pitching? Quite possibly. The question is, do you want to pour a bunch of resources into pursuing that possibility when it's something we've never seen before and don't know the answer to? Or would you like to pour resources into the formula that you've already seen succeed, which is you have a whole bunch of really good pitchers and then just hope your offense isn't terrible and then, or, or not hope you're off, try to build an offense that isn't terrible, but still build it that way and then improve upon it thereafter. Then, you know, make it better from there. And for me, I would rather go with the formula that appears to work and then build it. You, you can't stick with it. You know, and I, I think a lot of people responded to the article feeling like, oh, well, this is just like giving up. You just saying they can't build a good offense. They shouldn't even try. And to some degree, it's kind of what I'm saying. I'm, they're not going to build a great offense, at least not by the numbers. And trying may be an exercise in futility, whereas building up a great bullpen and a deep rotation is something they've been able to do, again, according to the numbers, many times. And it's led to success. And I think if you can, to get back to the conversation we've been having all off season at the very beginning, go out and grab these bargain guys and bring in four or five relievers. Maybe one of those guys can also start, or maybe just one of them is a starter and you, you roll with a quantity game, see who figures out Coors Field and who doesn't. You're not married to the guys that don't. So you ship them out, maybe bring in somebody else then at that point, and you, and you can keep a certain amount of flexibility, but you're looking for those guys specifically, I think you can start to build some success. And then the Rockies will have the cachet to go out and sign the big bat that everyone always dreams on, bringing in some slugger who's going to come to Coors Field and hit 45 home runs. It's, you know, that's the that's the cherry on the Sunday. That's the, you, you got to get the ice cream and stuff in there first. Yeah, three of the top four, uh, OPS plus seasons in Rockies history, they were over 500, you know, so it, it'll be, you know, part of, uh, it helps. yeah, it helps. part of what we're going to be, be doing this off season is, is like we have uh, the last two years. It's crazy. We've been doing it this long now, but going through almost every single free agent at every single position. And I think we're going to be doing it 
uh, even more and even better than, than seasons past. But we'll have to go through and look and say, okay, right, who are some guys that have a, a good OPS plus or are at 95 or above, which, which 95 being, you know, essentially league average for, for, for OPS plus, excuse me. So looking at those numbers from that, that perspective and, and see if we notice any trends and say, man, you know what, the, a lot of the guys that the Rockies are, are picking up uh, off the bargain bin, you know, kind of, you know, fit that profile in a lot of ways. And, and maybe, maybe we're on to something, let's say. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And we're going to get right into that actually starting tomorrow. You know, it's free trade Friday, but we're also going to, we can't help ourselves. The World Series ended. We held off as long as we could. We're going to dive into some free agents. We're talking catchers. We're going to be looking at some backstops. I love talking about catching. I love it so much. We we could probably talk for hours and hours about catching and catchers and what makes them good and what might work in different places and working with pitching staffs. Oh, Mar, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited already. So hopefully you will join us for that. And uh, again, and you'll get our takes. And this is guaranteed too. You're guaranteed to get our takes on whether or not the Colorado Rockies will sign or at least be players in the JT Real Muto sweepstakes. We will give you that information. I know you're dying for it, and I know you have no idea what we're going to say about that topic, but we'll tell we, you tomorrow. We will talk about that. <laughs> uh, and if you want to hit us up with your trade ideas for Free Trade Friday, remember to go to BaseballTradeValues.com. Use their tools so that you make sure you're getting something within the realm of reasonability there. Uh, send it to us in a screenshot. Uh, Justin reminding us that the world has ended now that Jake McGee has a World Series ring. Uh, it's 2020. What did you expect, Justin? It's been that kind of year. But still, tomorrow we get to dream on the future. We get to leave 2020 in the past and think about what the 2021 Colorado Rockies could look like with a new shiny backstop, potentially, maybe. At least we get to dream on what it would look like, theoretically. Actually, I, I think there's some possibility that they could be looking at this. They've, you know, we'll get into it. We'll get into all of that. You got to stay tuned. And I know that you will. So join us tomorrow. Make sure you're following us on all the social media, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Uh, you, you could have been well up to date on all of this information as we were talking about it in the podcast. If this was all a little bit difficult to follow with us throwing the numbers at you, you didn't have the article in front of you, tisk tisk, you got to subscribe. You got to get in there and get all that info, plus the continuation of our Rocks or Roll series rolled out John Gray on this day. And uh, Patrick and I did not necessarily agree whether he would rocks or roll. So again, got to be subscribed to check that out. Other than that, we just appreciate all of you. We know you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. We continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons, Andrew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we'll see you at the ballpark.